Thank you everyone for joining this morning's podcast. Um, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about business travel and the current crisis that everyone's going through. Um, I'm happy to welcome Julie Oliver from Reed & Mackay, who is the Global Managing Director of Solutions and Operations, as well as Daryl McGarvey, who is the Director of Travel Partnerships at SAP Conco. Julie, thanks so much for joining us. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you've been spending lockdown, um, and also a nice little, what's your TV guilty pleasure over the last few months? Yep, sure, no problem at all. So um, my background is um, business travel. I've been in business travel since I was 18. Um, and I've been at a company called Business Travel Direct for the last 24 years, and we were recently acquired by Reed and Mackay, um, which was kind of super exciting back in July. And um, now I have a new role. So, um, so that's, you know, also quite exciting. And that new role has actually come about very recently while we've been in lockdown. So, um, so that's been a bit of a challenge getting to kind of know everybody and, know, uh, and meet a new team and everything. So, um, so what I've been doing while I've been in lockdown, obviously I've been working from home quite a lot, but I'm actually in the Langley office today. Um, and my guilty pleasure I've got to say, I'm a bit embarrassed to say I love keeping up with the Kardashians. That is definitely my guilty pleasure. So, yeah. Oh, Julie. <laughs> Julie, Julie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm going to have to make another one now, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to follow that one. Yeah, so, so thanks, Alistair. So, yeah, my, my background, a little bit like Julie, actually. I spent 15 years or so in the business travel space working with TMCs, and I'm now three years into my time with SAP Concur. Managing the team that manage our travel partnerships is still working very closely with the industry. It's still an industry I feel immensely passionate about. I'm still engaged at the heart of the industry with BTA and ITM and those sorts of organizations as well, managing our relationships with, with those uh, those organizations, attending conferences and, and really kind of being out and about and, and, and talking about the industry on behalf of SAP Concur. I've been spending lockdown in actually a gloriously sunny Lancashire, uh, exploring some of the, uh, the, the, the hills and the, the walks nearby that Historically, I didn't know were there, and my guilty pleasure. So I'm one of the people who are wearing a, you know, a, a mourning the loss of Love Island this summer, but I did manage to stumble across <laughs> Temptation Island. So I got through two seasons of Temptation Island in about a week, which was uh, equally trashy and seedy. So that's probably uh, an insight into my <laughs> into my personality. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Dal. And I won't bring that up again when we next meet. Um, Anyway, right, sure. let's let's get into it. Um, Julie, as the UK and the world started to change a few weeks after the business travel show um, in the UK in uh, the end of February, um, what were your initial thoughts about what was going on to our industry? Um, it was bizarre, literally, because I'd been to um, Miami. I'd flown to Miami for the um, IATA summit, actually, with SAP Concur. I was presenting there. And um, at the time, it did seem things were ramping up, but I was shocked at um, how quickly um, this uh, whole situation had descended upon us, uh, basically. So, um, and the length of time that it's um, taken. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think when I look back to the Business Travel Show, we kind of were um, seeing some of the things that were going on in Asia Pacific. Um, I don't think any of us kind of realised potentially the scale of um, what was going to happen. Um, so yeah, it was uh, really challenging, but what I was really pleased about was that our ability, you know, I think generally to, um, to adapt. Now, I think all businesses did a fantastic job in, um, you know, kind of moving to home working really quickly. Uh, and as travel companies, you know, the challenge that we had was that right in the middle of everything, 
we were almost at our busiest because we had people all around the world that we had to sort out, get home um, and everything. So, you know, it was that the pressure was really on. And, um, you know, I'm super pleased um, and super proud how how well the team actually did um, in kind of looking after all of our customers. So, but yeah, it was it was a real, real challenge and, you know, lots of long hours and hard work by the entire team. So. What were some of the some of the um, requests and needs from your clients during that first phase? Well, I mean, what I can say during the first phase, we had um, quite a few um, of our customers actually stuck in China when the first bit happened, actually in the city that it happened. So, um, you know, we were when, when that first happened, we were working with them, working with the FCO to try and get them out and back. Um, and then obviously they did come back to the UK in quarantine. So we kind of had a feel for what was coming. Um, but we had, you know, all sorts of challenges. And obviously, as countries were shutting down, that became even more complicated. You were trying to get people routes out. So, you know, there was so much um, thinking outside the box that our um, teams had to go through. You know, when one airport shut, it's like, well, how do we get you um, out there? You know, we then had to kind of figure out about taxis and, and, and everything and working really, really closely with our customers. So, um, you know, it was... It was literally full on and um, very intense. And as I say, at the same time, we were also moving everyone to home working. So as I say, the, the, the entire team did a great job, the operations area, the IT area, um, you know, the account management teams, you know, keeping everybody um, up to speed, uh, making sure that everybody uh, was safe, obviously making sure all our platforms and our systems, you know, from a duty of care, um, all those things, um, you know, were open and ready and, you know, as I say, it was it was a it was a huge huge task. But what I really hoped was that um, you know people saw the benefits of working with a travel management company in these times. And I think that these times are when you know our sort of companies really come into their own, and you know, and how we make a difference to our customers. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, and Daryl, similar question to you. I mean, what have you been finding from chatting with our other partners or or the industry as a whole? The first thing I have to say is, is just to reiterate what Julie said about the business travel show. It seems like a lifetime ago we were all together in in February, and there was a real buzz about the show. I think with you know there had been the general election, Brexit had been sorted out to you know pending obviously pending implementation periods, but there was a there was a finality. There was a feeling that now was the time to move on. But I left the business travel show. Yes, there was talk of. I just really said there was talk of a virus in Asia Pacific. There was no real perception or comprehension of what it would become. So I left the business travel show with a real feeling of, of, of optimism for the industry. There was a real buzz about new business, and you know, all of our partners certainly were, were talking very positively about uh, about 2020. Obviously, that's changed immensely, but uh, but there's still there, there's still business out there. So many of our many, many of our partners are still working on RFPs and bids. I think some of their existing customers have chosen now is a great time to implement a new technology product, an online booking tool, for example, because actually there's no disruption to what they're doing day to day. They can do it now, you know, take the time, you know, run a pilot, get everything right so that when, when they start to travel again, it's with a new suite of technology. So there is still business out there. There are still RFPs and processes. But as Julie says, you know, now's the time that many of our partners are evaluating their business, evaluating how they do business, and also how they make money. I think, you know, we, we've had a transaction fee model in the industry that for many years has meant TMCs only make money if they actually make a booking. And as Julie said, so much more of the work around what a TMC is doing right now to support its customers, rebookings and you know, getting people in and out of countries where they're, where they're in trouble, 
isn't necessarily something that generates revenue for TMC. So I'm sure many of our partners will be looking at commercial models. At the ITM conference, there was much talk of a move to a management fee, if not permanently, then temporarily, perhaps for the rest of this year. And about 70% of buyers were supportive of that. But, you know, buyers understand that they need their TMC to be there when when things come back on stream again. So we need to make sure that, uh, that that's, you know, that's a sustainable model for them. Absolutely right. I mean, Julie, are you are you changing things at Reading Mackay or are you looking to move forward? So at Reading Mackay, we do um, have a number of our customers on management fee already. So um, so that obviously was helpful. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we've been seeing probably for the last, you know, four or five months anyway, we were getting a lot of um, conversations around changing the model. Um, we were you know, we're quite interested in the subscription model. Um, you know, I think that's definitely something that we're exploring at the moment and seeing how that could work. But I agree, it's, you know, I think it's 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 an opportunity for change. And, you know, so we, ha we are actually seeing with our, you know, as Daryl said, we're, we're quite busy at the moment um, with new, uh, new business inquiries. And we are actually seeing some customers asking for different models. Um, but what I would really encourage is that innovation when an RFP does come in you know sometimes it's quite prescriptive and we're just given a transaction fee list and you know fill out this and there's no deviation and I would really really encourage um, the buyers to think differently and um, allow um, TMCs like us to innovate in the in, in that space and you know and I think you know kind of for us to have an opportunity to actually add value to what we do and, and you know think about working differently I think um, you know I would definitely encourage that yeah, and you seeing that as well, Daryl? Do you think this is this is going to be a fundamental shift in the in the way that we as a, a travel industry change for the better? I absolutely in a negative situation. Yeah, I absolutely do, Alistair. And I think what, what you know, a, a symptom of that is that the the ITM and the BTA as organisations have, have really come together strongly to, to lobby governments. I know Clive Ratton was presenting to the House of Commons Select Committee. So, you know, the quarantine is, is, is a great example of something that, is, that the industry now is, is lobbying against because as soon as things start to get going, the last thing you want is a business traveller having to self-isolate for two, for two weeks coming into the country. So I think the industry as a whole has come together in perhaps a, a way it never has before. ITM is great with the buyers and the supplier community. BTA great in terms of the you know, the, the partners and the and the, and the, the TMCs and, and again lobbying Parliament and having those relationships. So for those two organisations to come together, yes, absolutely, there's a real desire to kind of press the reset button and think about how we can do things you know better and and, and more efficiently, streamline a little bit. I'm sure some of our in some of the organisations that we deal with will come out of this you know leaner uh, and 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 you know that, that's kind of a, a, an inevitable outcome of the, of the virus. I'm sure. Yeah, and and Julie, talking about the the kind of the next stages. I know you mentioned that you're seeing RFPs come through, but do you do you see things moving forward in the next two or three months, or are people going to start travelling um, later this year? I, I think I think we talked about it actually internally the other day. We're seeing kind of little shoots. <laughs> I won't call them uh, big green shoots, but we're definitely seeing um, you know some things happen. Some sectors seem to be um, a little bit. Um, ahead than others. Um, I think we're definitely seeing that around marine and um, oil and gas. Um, so that's quite interesting. And, um, but yeah, we, you know, I think we did a big survey with our customers um, quite recently. And, um, you know, I think people are starting to think um, about travel now and looking at their, um, you know, their policies and, and how they're gonna uh, manage risk. So obviously risk has changed, um, you know, 
quite drastically as well. So, um, so I think you know, as you know, as GMCs, what we're actually doing right now is actually rethinking that as well. So, um, you know, in some respects, having this time to um, to reimagine is um, is actually quite interesting because you know we do have to recognise that um, you know for people to make the decisions that they were making, that decision making process is going to look completely different. And um, you know, so one of the things that we're very very focused on is how can we help our customers make the right decisions? So whether it's um, you know, a traveler or a booker, you know, when they're choosing their trips, um, how can we give them the right information at the right point um, for them to feel comfortable to, um, to want to make that trip? Um, and then obviously the second thing we have to figure out um, for the, um, the corporation is, you know, how can we kind of de-risk that trip and let them know that um, as much um, as we can, um, the information they can do to actually say, um, you know, we're okay for that person to make that trip. And, you know, and obviously then we've got the whole, you know, the whole thing of quarantine and, you know, what happens at the end when we get to in, into the country. So, so there's a whole raft of, um, you know, rethinking that we're, that we're doing at the moment. And we've got some really good initiatives um, that we're putting in place and, and, uh, and doing to make sure that when things do start to pick up that we're in really good place to be able to help our clients and I think yeah. that you know really really important and I'm sure that every um, TMC is looking at that at the moment because you know it you know previously it was just a case of you know we want to go here I want to go there you make a booking you know it might have an authorization to it but that whole authorization piece is going to look look very very different so um, so this time we're, we're using to, to look at that yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think, um, Daryl, from an SAP Concur perspective, it's going to be fundamentally different um, the way people are allowed to travel. I mean, what's your take on it? Yeah, the, 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 uh, Caroline Strachan of Festive Road wrote a, a terrific article. And I urge anybody to, to have a read of it, talking about permissible travel. And she, you know, she had a formula, which is the first thing that you have to have is company confidence. And that's your company, that they're, that they're happy for you to, you know, for you to travel uh, and, and go and see, you know, go and see customers and prospects. But also, the, you know, the, the company that you want to go and see has to be equally comfortable and confident to receive you. So there are two, there, there are two companies that have to be in, a part of that equation in terms of whether there's that appetite and confidence for you to, for you to travel. There's then individual traveller preference, and I think for the foreseeable future, the, the voice of the traveller is going to have to be heard. Mm -hmm. There'll be some travellers who absolutely can't wait to get back out on the road and can't wait to get back on a plane, and others who are understandably a little bit more cautious. So I think traveller confidence will have to be taken into account as well. And then, of course, there's you know country permission, different countries, different rules. As Julie said, you know different quarantine requirements coming in and out of countries. It's it's, it's going to be messy for a little while. So I think absolutely, as, as Julie said, we'll see approval based on risk rather than cost. Until you know tools mm -hmm. such as our request tool will have to be configured to allow you know risk managers and HR managers or, or directors to be taking a view as to tra on, on travel and making those approval decisions. So it, it certainly won't be a, a cost-based decision, it will be a, a risk-based decision. I think if you look at Facebook, who've cancelled uh, all meetings of 50 people or more until June 2021, I think that's indicative. I don't think many companies will be having travellers travelling for internal meetings. Uh, we talked about our crystal ball in, in February, Julie. I wish I'd bought set shares in Zoom back in, back in February. <laughs> Sadly, I didn't. But that you know, it's, it's really changed the way we think about internal meetings. Uh, we as a company are collaborating you know, fantastically well. I'm sure you know you, you guys are as well. 
And I think, you know, in terms of just family quizzes and other, other ways in which people have learned to interact in a, in a different way during lockdown, I think that will change, you know, internal meetings for sure. But the flip side of that is that as the recovery starts, there'll be huge demand, I'm sure, for companies that want to get out and win new business and kickstart their, their businesses again. So while internal meetings, I think, will drop, I think we'll see, uh, you know, external meetings for, for new business and, and, and face-to-face meetings soon, you know, recover much, much more quickly. Yeah, and and that point about working from home. I mean, this this one's to you, Julie. I mean, I know you 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 touched on it earlier, but your whole business changing overnight to working from home. Did you have people working from home previously, or or was the actual working yeah. changed fundamentally? No, no, we did have we did have a, a fair element of home workers, but as I say, the, the the thing that I found absolutely astounding was the the speed with which we were able to. Um, to move um, the, the entire business to home working. So we had, you know, really good, um, you know, disaster recovery plans. You know, we were doing a lot of um, planning prior to the decision to to, to to shut the offices anyway. So so I think we were in, we were in really good shape. I think that the, the, the challenge was, and as I say, I think the guys stepped up really well, was that in the middle of all of that was the volume of um, calls we were getting and the help that we had to give as well. So... So as I say, I think it was, um, you know, an amazing achievement that we, you know, didn't miss a call, that we um, that we got everybody where they needed to be, um, you know, home or whatever, um, at the same time of trying to do this um, this big change. So, um, uh, you know, it was, it, it, you know, it was very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, just changing tack slightly, there's been a lot of news um the travel industry hasn't stood still. Um, I'm curious to get your view, Darren and Julie, on the the uh, the Lufthansa and, and Sabre story and how that's going to impact how we how we book flights. It's a great question, and, and Lufthansa of the of the have been the devil in this piece more often than not. I think, you know, if you think back to when they re, they introduced you know surcharges for bookings some time ago now, and that caused a real stir in the industry. So this is, again is Lufthansa making waves, and I think perhaps. Needlessly, right now, my own, my own view is that you know we, we we need to be thinking for the the greater good of the industry, and, and and the GDS model is one that works. All of our TMC partners are working with with the GDS, you know, in 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 some in some form or other. Um, so yeah, I, I, I see it as needless needless politicking on behalf of Latan. So there's there's no need to be pulling out of a particular GDS. I think we need to be supporting our industry. That said, we at Concur obviously have other solutions that will enable those bookings to continue in, in the same way that they already have through our online booking tool. So from our perspective, the content will be there with any, obviously any, any applicable Lufthansa charges. So it, it, it affects us less, but it affects our partners more. Those who are on Sabre obviously have, uh, have some decisions to make in terms of what they do and how they manage Lufthansa on behalf of their, their customers. Yeah, and, and Julie, what's, what's your view? Okay, so we obviously are, would prefer that you know content comes from the GDS because obviously that works best. And um, as Daryl said, the servicing side of it um, you know works a dream. So that is always um, our preference. However, um, we also have a standpoint that you know we can't be at a situation where we don't have content. Um, so whilst uh, we're hopeful that they will um, resolve this. We also are aware that um, you know we will need a different solution if they don't. So we have those um, those things in place so that if it does happen, that we're ready to support our customers. Um, I mean, I think 
the, the one thing I would say is that, you know, from a booking perspective, you know, and, you know, working with different channels is fine. It's the servicing side that causes the issues. And, you know, and I, the, the thing is, is you look back on what's happened with this recent pandemic and, you know, the, um, the, the servicing issues you could have, you know, if, if this had scaled up again, you know, it could be quite challenging. And I think, you know, we just need to be, be mindful of that sometimes, you know, while you know, things are in a transition um, with NDC. Um, as I say, I, I would definitely say that it's always best to have, you know, the whole solution um, that TMCs can tap into rather than, you know, being in a situation where we're trying to help a customer and it's it's a little bit challenging if we have to do changes and rebookings and things like that. But you know, what we wouldn't do is, um, you know, leave our customers uh, in a situation where they, you know, didn't have the content. So, um, so we are, um, you know, ready for, you know, whatever happens, basically. Yeah. That makes that makes perfect sense. Thanks. Um, so, obviously, we want people to get on planes and get back to doing their their normal daily life. But one thing we haven't actually touched on is that if, if the hotels in all of this, um, what are you both hearing from some of the big hotel chains, and and how differently is staying in a hotel going to be moving forward? Daryl, come to you first. Yeah, thanks, Alistair. And, and so I, I think what, what's in, in fact just taking a step back from that travel in itself. I think it's going to be a far more lonely thing to do than it has been historically. The whole, you know, one of, one of the joys of business travel was often traveling with a colleague or catching up with colleagues when you're in a particular city or destination, networking. The, you know, the, the travel industry itself is a very networking focused industry you know, with people coming together. So I think it's going to come as a shock when people do start to travel again. That actually, they might find themselves as one of a handful of people on a plane, one of, you know, maybe the only person in a hotel restaurant for the time being. I think check-in at hotel is going to be a, a much quieter experience as well with perhaps self-check-in. We know that hotels are looking at managing inventory and things remotely from you know, in, in cloud-based solutions. So I think, I think it's, it's, it's going to be a, quite an isolating thing to travel. So I think the first thing that we have to look at is, is, is on-trip messaging and making sure that travelers feel connected to not only their company, but their family and friends as well. Uh, so I think that, that's the first thing I would say in terms of you know, travel in, in, in the new world, as it were. I think it, it, it's, it's going to be lonely. Hotels, it's, it's, it's all about cleanliness. I think where we've had negotiated rates in the past based on free Wi-Fi or breakfast, it's now absolutely, absolutely going to be around a deep clean, you know, making sure somebody arrives in a, in a sanitized room. That might mean there's no more minibars because obviously you can't have something in a room where somebody's touched something and put it back. So I think you'll see minibars come out of rooms. I don't think you'll see buffet breakfasts for quite some time now. I think you'll have grab and go breakfasts or, you know, full a la carte, but not not a buffet where people are sharing things. I think you might actually in the short term find yourself arriving at a hotel where the hotel's open, but the restaurant isn't yet. Or, you know, there's lots of unknowns. And what there isn't yet is a global standard. You know, Marriott and Hilton and the chains are working to their own standards and certifications, but there isn't a global, you know, certification around hotel cleanliness and, and, and deep cleans. Some hotel chains, Best Western, for example, are talking about having nobody in a room within 24 hours of anybody else. So if you think about how, you know, how the inventory is, is, is rolled over, actually, you know, if somebody checks out 12 o'clock on a Monday morning, it'll be, you know, Tuesday evening before they can check in again. HRS are actually doing, doing some really clever thinking in terms of flexibility, though. They're talking about offering hotel rooms as day meeting rooms rather than hotel rooms. So, you know, a hotel has some inventory. And that's, a, that's a great way of thinking in terms of using that inventory while things are quiet. So there will be some degree of flexibility required. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and Julie, what are you hearing? 
Well, obviously, the, um, we were talking about uh, protocols. So um, I understand that the WT, WTTC um, have recently announced some protocols around hotels that we're hoping um, will get adopted. But one of the things that we have seen, actually, is um, an uptake in apartments. So, um, you know, we've, we, we were quite surprised about that. Some of our clients who are doing some domestic travel, um, you know, there, there definitely seems to be more appetite for apartments. Um, but as Daryl said, I do, I do see things looking quite differently. Um, I mean, I personally won't miss the buffet breakfast. I hate them anyway, but, um, the, um, you know, I, I, I do think that, um, that there will be a huge change. And, you know, and I, and I think it, you know, it's going to be, quite different and um, and as Daryl said and I, I wonder if there are those gaps in between when they can take uh, new travellers in whether that will push prices up um, so it, I think it's there's going to be probably a lot of volatility um, around pricing and I and again I think we need to as travel management companies be able to think right how do we um, help our clients around all of this you know that volatility so again it's a lot of a lot of thinking time for us at the moment and saying right you know what 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 can we do what can we introduce what what additional things can we bring in um you know to help our our clients around you know this kind of new norm because that's what how we have to look at it it's the new normal it's not um you know i think things some things have um fundamentally changed as daryl said you know um i think this whole um piece of time of having um you know these months out and you know people kind of taking stock um you know people um have new expectations that you know we have to look at and say right you know how do we you know help our travelers um you know feel and understand really what, what's what's going on what's happening what to expect and you know and it, and it goes back to what, what both Darren and i have said is confidence um you know and it's really important that the hotel industry um, kind of makes it really clear what that experience will look like so that people can make the right decisions as to whether you know, they're, they're happy to, to do what they need to do. I mean, I, I personally, um, you know, I'm one of these people, I, I adore travel. And um, the moment things are opened up for me, I'm, I'm, I'm on a plane and I'm you know, going off and doing things. But we also have to be very mindful that not everybody's going to feel like that. And you know, it's our job to, to help people um, understand what that new world looks like. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and actually on that on that on that last point, I was reading an article yesterday about a Dublin-based company that's received two million dollars in funding. And their their main business in life is to manage the maze of global immigration, taxation and and now COVID restrictions. So mm -hmm. do you think there'll be um, a lot more innovation in our industry with uh, new companies popping up, supporting this new normal, as you said, Julie? Absolutely, because there's so much information that we're going to have to um, get through, basically. So, you know, one of the things that we're looking at is, you know, for example, when someone makes a decision to get on a plane, what does that feel like? So what are the airlines doing? Um, you know, what, what am I going to expect on, on that trip? Are, are, are they, um, you know, am, am I going to need to wear a, a face mask? Those types of things. So, so I think, you know, there will be definitely um, innovation going on for sure. And I think it's already happening. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of work around this that we'll be bringing into um, all our platforms um, to give people um, the information that they need to, um, you know, to and, and the confidence they need to get on a plane or to stay in a hotel or, or whatever that is. And, you know, and I think also it's, it's also a little bit of an opportunity to have a rethink. I mean, you know, I know sustainability comes and goes, but I think sustainability is going to be really 
important as well going forward because I think, um, you know, people do want to make the right choices. So, so I think, you know, say that whole pattern of, you know, when, when people make business decisions, I think there'll be a whole new raft of different things that people will be thinking about. And it's our job to bring those things to the fore and make those things happen. So yeah, there is definitely space um, for innovation. And, you know, and so I can absolutely say it is actually going on already. Yeah. And, and Daryl, what's your, what's your view on that? Yeah, straight to pick up on what Julie just said about sustainability. Certainly one of the themes of the ITM conference was very much that sustainability was front of mind before the, before the virus and actually remains so. Uh, we, have, we have a sustainability uh, webinar this week, Alistair, on, the, on Thursday, a piece that we've done with Raconteur on some sustainability uh, research. It's still there. I think that the, my favourite phrase from, that, from last week was the term screen, screenager. The screen ages are the, the post-cell phone generation, and they, they certainly will be still making their choices based on sustainable options. And actually, if you look at some of the, the bailouts that have gone on, so Air France has received uh, a government bailout, but it's, it's, it's contingent upon them stopping flying domestically on routes where there's a rail journey of less than two and a half hours. So I think we'll see a real modal shift as well. So yes, we'll, we're all super excited to get back on a, on, a, on a plane, but I think equally lots of decisions will be taken now to to shift, you know, off, off uh, you know, from the sky onto rail, into cars. So I think our ground transportation partners seem quite optimistic for the rest of the year and into next year that there'll be some shift into ground transportation and certainly rail. So you know, where we have where we have rail options for domestic options, they will they you know they will certainly be taken, and governments are looking to use this to to, to mandate that shift that may have taken years. In the old world and in the new world, we'll see that shift happening very quickly. Yeah. So actually, on that point, Darren, we'll come to you in a second, Julie. Do you think it's a great opportunity for businesses to actually look at their travel policies and make those fundamental changes now while they have the opportunity? Absolutely. It goes to what Julie was saying earlier on. This is a time for all businesses to, you know, to reevaluate how you know, how they do their business and how they how they support the travellers. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see travel policy based on, as we said, you know, approval based on risk rather than cost. I don't think we'll be seeing policies based on number of hours in the sky anymore. It will be, you know, can can we can we move people onto onto railway appropriate? Can we support you know sustainable hotel options? At the right price and with the right cleanliness guaranteed and, and those sorts of things as well so yes absolutely we'll see i think a, a shift in policy away from cost because actually if you, if you think about the way the airline industry is going to work if we think that there's going to be perhaps 40 percent fewer seats as we keep middle seats in the aisle free perhaps the back eight rows uh, of, the, of the plane free decommissioning toilets so if somebody needs to be quarantined they can sit at the back so i think if you if you know, there's a forecast of 40 percent less inventory and 50% higher prices because actually the airlines still need to make money. So if there are fewer seats on the plane, it figures that there'll be the, the prices will need to be a bit higher. So I think in, in, you know it's not going to be a, a cost decision anymore. It's going to be, as Julie says, you know, a confidence of a confidence decision, a well-being decision, and, and, and a sustainability decision as well. Yeah. What's what's your view on that as well, Julie? 100% agree. I think it's um, it's quite in some ways it's quite exciting. I think because you know we can use this time to reimagine really, and I think that's the exciting bit and really innovate and show um, the value that we bring as a as a as a trusted partner to our customers. So, so from from our perspective, we actually see this time as um, you know a good time to take stock. As I say, look at everything we do. Look at all our processes. Look at all the solutions that we offer our customers. Um, you know, I, I agree. I think, you know, the, the, 
the way that um, people will travel will change. Um, we, you know, but it's in that it's opportunity. You know, we've, um, you know, with sustainability e-bikes. Um, you know, where kind of hearing those sorts of things coming in now. Um, you know, I think more people will probably take car hire. Um, I mean, I agree with Daryl, you know, people looking at things. We've actually had a couple of train operators talk about actually making bookings before you can get on the trains because they need to know, um, you know how many people are going to be on that train. So I think there's going to be some real big differences. And I think the most important thing for any business right now is to be agile because I think, you know, we, we need that agility to be able to um, kind of manage the new norm. And, you know, and I think that's that's a really big thing that we're focusing on is keeping agility. How do we keep agility in our business? You know, when something changes, how can we, how can we manage that? How can we bring it in? Um, and how can we, um, as I say, give that solution to our customers that they, they'll need going forward and become that trusted partner? Um, so I think actually our role is going to become, you know, really, really important. And, you know, for me, that's, that's a, that's a really really good thing. We've got to you know be that trusted partner that can help our clients. Yeah, brilliant. Well, um, Daryl and Julie, thank you ever so much for your time today on this business travel podcast. Um, before we sign off, um, I'm going to come to you both. Um, where's the first place you're going to be travelling to when we're allowed to, Julie? Um, well, I was meant to be in Corfu this week, so I'd like to. Go to Corfu, so that's where I would like to be. Brilliant. And Daryl? Well, I, I was supposed to be flying to the, the, the Dominican Republic next week, so I won't be taking wow. that trip. But as soon, as soon as we're able, we'll be going to see my partner's family in Greece, and the Dominican Republic will wait until early in the new year. So, yes, I will be getting some sunshine as soon as possible. Brilliant. Well, thanks again for your time today, both of you. And I'm looking forward to meeting you in the, in the, in the flesh soon. Thank you very much. Thank you.